When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning. It is time to get up with the Ravens. Lamar was LeMan. Has Baltimore staked a claim to being a Super Bowl contender? Speaking of which, say it ain't so. Allen, ailing, is Buffalo about to get elbowed out of the season they've waited for all of their lives? And it's Tuesday, but it doesn't feel like it without Saturday. Our thoughts on the stunning news from Indianapolis as we get up with you starting right now. The squad is in the house, but we are not complete. We have saved a seat for our friend, Mr. Saturday, the new head football coach of the Indianapolis Colts, and appropriately, yes, a dab of the eye, and appropriately, we have the pancakes served up and ready for him, should he ever need them again, but we hope that won't be for 10 more years and 10 Super Bowls along the way for our friend, Mr. Saturday. Uh, Marcus Spears ready to go today, the big swagoo. He will have his revenge one way or the other. He, he don't want to waste those pancakes. We'll get those for him as we get this thing rolling with Monday Night Football last night. Here we go, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens visiting Andy Dalton and the New Orleans Saints. Pick it up in the first, no score. Lamar Jackson, you think he's going to run it? Nick, he's got other ideas. Oh, yeah, this is the best play action in football. You don't even have to fake it in it and everyone sucks up onto the run great pass touchdown rate Isaiah likely and it's seven nothing then here comes Lamar he's almost down he's never down and no Mark Andrews no Bateman it don't matter you got Jackson he was doing it pretty much all by himself that puts them in the red zone this puts them in the end zone Kenyon Drake takes it home it's 14 nothing Baltimore here's a big play final seconds of the half Andy Dalton has a wide open touchdown yeah this felt like a pivotal moment if he could hit this touchdown it feels like they have a chance but he could instead it's 14-3 at the break fourth quarter here's the play Lamar Jackson look if they're not fast enough in front of him just pushes his own man down <laughs> yeah just get out his way give him the ball and let that man work and send that man a check a real big one two plays later keep an eye on the play clock He's clapping his hands. Lamar, snap it, snap it, snap it. They don't snap it. They get called for a delay. He's furious after the play, and he and Ronnie Stanley are going to have some words. Oh, yeah. There's a level of intensity that you expect from a guy like Lamar Jackson and a team like this, but I'm sure they're going to be all right. They're friends and competitors. This happened. As evidenced by this shot, everything seems to be just fine. No harm, no foul. Field goal, 20 to 6. Eight and a half minutes to go. Andy Dalton, pick. Ooh, tip drill. You got to get those tip balls. Hell of a game from Houston last night. He seemed like an all-pro. That's Justin with the pick. After the pick, first and goal from the three. That's Drake for another touchdown. Ravens go on to win easily 27-13. Lamar threw for 133. He ran for 82. And here's what we can tell you about the Baltimore Ravens. They are the first team in 11 years to hold a double-digit lead in each of their first nine games. The last team to do it, the 2011 Packers, that team went on to win the Super Bowl. The question is, can this team do the same? Now, sometimes I'm not exactly sure what to make of the fact that you have a double-digit lead and you've lost three games. Is that a good stat or a bad stat for the Ravens? But let's dive directly to the most important question, Big Swagoo. Those Packers won the Super Bowl that year. Can these Ravens do the same? Oh, they absolutely can, G. They absolutely can. And you see Lamar Jackson doing it. The best thing about last night 
was Lamar Jackson spreading the football around. I know we can get into the run game and talk about it, but him spreading this football around, getting the ball to likely, pushing it to, to, to Deshaun Jackson we saw get some catches. Obviously him maneuvering in the pocket and finding his guys all over the football field. And this is the thing about the Ravens that we ask all the time, right? When it's time for them to become drop back pa- a drop back passing team, do you have enough guys? We saw Bateman go out, which was a huge concern. Lamar said, it's cool. I'm going to use every guy that we have as a pass catcher to get the ball in their hands in advantageous situations and let them maneuver. And another element that's been added to this offense is people are sleeping on this run game. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you right now, it's become more explosive because of the speed in the backfield. You got you you see it here. It is unbelievable. The way these ball fakes are being carried out, how you, how much you have to respect every guy that's touching this rock because they can burn, man. The Ravens are back and this run game is going to be the leader, but now Lamar is spreading this football around as well. Well, they can do it a lot of different ways, but there's one thing, if, if you just look at it, and look, Lamar Jackson has had some moments this year that were worthy of criticism, and we have done it here. The fourth quarter performance against the Giants jumps out in particular, but the reality is, you look at the weapons on the outside that most of the elite quarterbacks in the AFC are playing with, and then, to Marcus's point here, no Rashad Bateman, they want to have him the rest of the year. He's playing without Mark Andrews uh, right this moment. He will be back, but you look at, at, at what he is working with out there, there is as much on his plate. It is as necessary for for him to be brilliant as it is for any player on any team in the league for their team to have any chance. Agreed. To add to that, he had 82 yards on 11 rushes. And again, if you're the Saints with a really good defense and a really good defensive coach in Dennis Allen, you're keying on that. So it's even more remarkable what he was able to do, not just throwing to 10 different receivers, but the plays he made on the ground. But with that said, I think it puts a ceiling on this team because you don't know how much you're going to get out of Deshaun Jackson because... Let's face it, you know, he was a late signing and he's had trouble staying healthy. And now that you have Mark Andrews out of the lineup, you have Bateman out for the year, I think it's going to be really hard for this team to score with the Chiefs and the Bills. What is your sense of the Lamar of it all right this minute? Yeah, I think he's, I think you're right about how much he means to the team and that makes him an MVP candidate. I, I, look, I think the defense is getting better under the first-year defensive coordinator, McDonald. I think that, that they're holding leads in the fourth quarter, which they weren't at the beginning of the year. Uh, I think the run game is getting better. They feel like there's more guys they can rely on. And ideally, from their standpoint, they're getting guys back. Gus Edwards gets healthier. J.K. Dobbins gets healthier. So I think it's a team that's building. And, and while it's building, it's 6-3. and three. So uh, I, I, the point about not being able to score, not being able to throw with those other teams, very fair. Been true about Baltimore, I feel like, for a number of years. And whether that's been their downfall in the playoffs or not, uh, we can we can debate, but I do think they're on track for he's, a run. He's not the most valuable player in the NFL. Maybe there's another word that most essential player to his team that we need to create an award to give him because it seems like every year he's the only one that has yeah. this much on his plate, which I guess the award is a big new contract that he's expecting. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the limitations in their passing game, because they don't have those weapons, that's what's going to hold them back when they get to the playoffs. They're capable of winning because they look a lot like the old Ravens in that they are running the hell out of the ball and they're playing really, really solid defense. If they can do that week in and week out, the problem is some of these offenses that they're going to have to play in the playoffs, you can't expect them to hold those teams to under 20 points, and you're going to have to throw the ball to be able to score with them. Well, look, the, the conversation all season long about the Ooh. AFC has been, can anyone play with Buffalo? And as of this moment, 
and it is probably the most significant and worst story we've had in the NFL so far this year. The entire dynamic around that might be changing. Chris Mortensen is reporting that Josh Allen is being evaluated for an injury to the ulnar collateral ligament and related nerves in his right elbow. Allen suffered the injury Sunday against the Jets. He was his coach yesterday. He loves to compete, loves to be out there with his teammates. Um, so, you know, I would never count him out. The medical piece, uh, we're still evaluating and I'll know more, again, for myself, even tomorrow morning, a little bit more. And then I'll, I'll next talk to you guys on Wednesday and I'll update you that. Well, we wanted to play that soundbite for you because, Mike Tannenbaum, you told us you did not like the way the coach sounded. That sounds ominous because yeah. what a head coach usually would say is he's going to be okay, he's going to play in the game, we're going to put him on a pitch count. Sean McDermott did not say that. They need more information. That is ominous. When a head coach says that, that has real concern. Again, I don't want to overreact to it, but, but what he didn't say is the most important part, which is he's okay. Yeah, let, let, let's be clear. The UCL, if you will, that's the Tommy John ligament. Uh, as pitchers know, it is yeah. different for football players is our understanding that it is for baseball yeah. pitchers. Dan, what do we know about the injury? Yeah, not enough right now. And I think that's what's reflected in what Sean McDermott said yesterday. They want to send him for more testing. They want to see how it responds to treatment and ideally increased activity uh, as the week goes along. Entirely possible they have to hold him out this week. It's entirely possible he has to miss multiple games. It's entirely possible that he doesn't miss games, but that the injury affects his performance going forward. All of those things are on the table. The Bills, as of last night, still didn't have all the information they need to make an accurate assessment. In the coming days, we should know a lot more. They play 7-1 Minnesota this week, which is, in every way, feels like it's the best game of the week. And obviously, this casts an entirely different light. Yeah, I think the scariest thing about this is how it's going to impact their, their playoff and Super Bowl chances. So, like, what happens over the next couple weeks may uh, determine how he's going to feel in the postseason. So, I know we talked about earlier today with you, Dan, is, like, the worst possible thing is that he could possibly keep playing right. and keep this thing kind of inflamed until he gets to the playoffs. So, they're in a tough spot, a tough decision to make. And I know earlier in the show, I talked about how important Lamar Jackson is to the Ravens. Josh Allen is just as important to this team. Oh, yeah. Josh I mean, he's Allen, their entire running it's, it's game okay. as well as their passing game. Marcus, l- let me put the frame this a little different way. And again, we don't know what the status of this injury is going to be. But in the event right. that he has to miss several weeks, how critical is getting home field advantage through the playoffs to Buffalo? Every conversation we've had here has been about, well, can Miami go up there and play in the cold? Can Kansas City win if that game is in Buffalo? That could change the entire dynamic of the one seed in the AFC. How critical is that piece of it to you, to the Bills, for their chances of finally getting this team to the Super Bowl? I I think it's critical. And you think about this team, first of all, beyond Josh Allen, this team has been injury-ridden like a, a lot this season. This is the one thing that we thought could derail the Buffalo Bills is the injuries, and obviously for any team. But even in this Jets game, they they didn't have Matt Milano. That defense struggled. But when you think about Josh Allen and his superpower, it is explosive plays with his arm. That is what makes the Bills the most devastating team in the NFL, his connection with Stephon Diggs his connection with Gabe Davis. And obviously, we can lock in on his legs and how how dominant he is in the run game. But we all know when we turn the game on to watch Josh Allen, it's for those bombs that he throws, those deep shots that he, he throws. And now we're looking at this AFC, and we were having a conversation about the Baltimore Ravens and would it travel in the playoffs. 
Listen, guys, I'm not convinced about anything in the NFL this year. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't think the Jets would beat the Buffalo Bills. I didn't think the Miami Dolphins would beat the Buffalo Bills. I didn't think the Chiefs would, would, would have problems early in the season. So, look, when we're looking at football now, probably the most important thing to these teams that we think are championship contenders are health. And the most important piece for the Buffalo Bills is questionable about his superpower. That is very concerning for me, them going down the stretch. For whatever this is worth, right after he injured the elbow, we all saw it there on the play where they got his arm hit, right afterwards, he threw the longest pass <laughs> anyone the NFL has thrown in six years. Yep. <laughs> he yep. threw this ball 69 and a half yards. Uh, that almost turned into a, a miracle play that would have completely changed the end of that game. I, I, this may not have anything to do with anything, but it is worth noting this came immediately after uh, the injury to the elbow. But as we all sit here and consider, thing. Yeah, yeah, as we all sit here considering this year's Super Bowl, Mike T, you're saying the Bills have to consider a lot more than that. Yeah, this is a 10-year decision. If I'm saying the Buffalo Bill front office or ownership, I want to win a championship this year, but I want to win it for the next 10 years. So I am erring on the side of abundance of caution. I don't care if Josh Allen wants to play. Unless I know that he is absolutely fine, I would just put him on ice. As much as that may not be popular, this is, it has to be a 10-year decision. Quickly. I had their game the other, a couple weeks ago in yeah. Buffalo, and I talked to Stefan Diggs right after on the field. I asked him about his touchdown catch. I said, what happened on that play? He said, Josh Allen. Yeah. Like that was, <laughs> I mean, he's pretty important to that team. Well, we opened the show today. Yeah, the Ravens, they are Lamar Jackson. The Bills, they are Josh Allen, as talented as they are top to bottom. In the meantime, ESPN, we are Adam Schefter. <laughs> Did everyone see it last night? So we got Kirk Cousins Wish doing his thing on the airplane the other day, and we got Shefty last night. Listen. You like that? You, you like that? that? Oh, my like that? goodness. Oh, my goodness. Who knew Adam Schefter was hiding Chewbacca on his chest? Do you like that? Holy chest hair. Do you like it? I like that. Okay, I like that. Uh, Deke, you, you like that? I do not, actually. <laughs> I don't know what's more embarrassing, the dancing or the nudity. Either way, I, I know we pay them a lot, but we don't pay them enough to do that. <laughs> look at, at Swagoo. Marcus, give me a quick, uh, a quick final thought. Gee, this is why they bringing out the flag. The people getting ready for the national anthem. And Shefty sitting there with his two chains on, <laughs> butt naked at the stadium. Doing the Kirk Cousins. All right. I don't know what the hell we thinking here at this damn network, man. <laughs> As we continue this Saturday shocker on this Tuesday, can our former teammate fix what's ailing? The Indianapolis Colts will get you there. Plus, Tom Terrific, his miracle drive. Is another Super Bowl run still possible for Brady's Bucks? We'll answer all your questions. As we get up with you on ESPN. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. 
Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Get Up is brought to you by the CMA Awards on ABC Live tomorrow at 8, 7 central. Meanwhile, one of the big stories of the NFL's Week 9, Tom Brady's incredible comeback leading the Bucks on a game-winning drive in 35 seconds without any timeouts. Last night, Brady was on his Let's Go podcast reflecting on the tough Bucks schedule ahead. Here's what he said. Doubt does start to creep in because you're trying something. You're putting all your time and effort and all your energy and all your prep, and it's not going well. Then you're thinking, what do we got to do? What do we got to do? It's never been like this before. And then you do look at your schedule, and you're like, God, where – where do we get one? And the reality is, is it's there and they're there for the taking. You just got to go play well. So interesting to hear Tom Brady talking that way. Here's the question, Marcus Spears. Did those 40 seconds cure what ails the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? In your mind, can they now make a run based on the momentum he built right there? Hell no. Did you watch <laughs> all of the game before that 40 seconds? Uh, no. The, the Rams have been outscored. Himbo sent me a great stat. The Rams have been outscored 71 to 10 in the fourth quarter this season. Think about that. And Jalen Ramsey on TV talking about we need, yeah, your offense needs to play better, but you also the guys outscored 71 to 10. Look, this was Vintage Brady. We all excited about what happened. We all, we all felt the relief that they had by getting the W. And could it catapult them? I don't know. Gee, they needed something psychologically to go well. But as an analyst, I watched the whole damn game. And the whole damn game, they look like the Bucs have looked the last five weeks of the mm -hmm. NFL season. So if the 40 seconds propels them into some kind of stratosphere where they pull something out of their butts that we ain't seen all season <laughs> long, great. But the 40 seconds was wonderful. It was there for us to enjoy. It was vintage Tom Brady. It made us realize why we think he's the GOAT. But it changed nothing about what I think about this Buccaneers football team. I generally think I agree with that, but I will channel our friend Mr. Saturday, who's not with us today, and I said, but boy, you realize how important the offensive line is because everything else is breaking down because they don't seem to be able to get anything blocked. Is, yeah. is, is it as simple as that? I mean, I think that's part of the problem. I don't think it's that simple because that's not uh, it's not the old line's fault when people drop touchdown passes oh, and I get hit it. them right in their chest. So like, But the passing game looks off. They can't run it at all, yeah, not even a little bit. That would take some pressure off them if they were able to run the ball, but I think... 
The offense is not going to be cured by what just happened, and I know that because I heard what Tom Brady said. He seemed like he had more doubts than anybody. He seemed like a human. And then, like the rest of us, like, no, it's Tom Brady. He'll figure it out. This man's scanning the schedule. He's going through the schedule. Looking for, <laughs> looking for dubs. Like, that's a, that's a scary place to be. And their offense has been really bad. Their last 44 drives, they have four touchdowns, which is the worst in the league over that stretch. So, yeah, they're in trouble. And their defense hasn't been great, even though they, they looked okay in this game. They have a lot of issues, and they're not going to get cured because they had one magical moment. But you know what else they are? Tied for first place yeah. Yeah, division right. at four and five. So, like, they have – they're not the Packers. They're not the Rams. They can get this thing straightened out and still and still get into the playoffs. Yeah. We saw a massive move in the NFL yesterday, a lot because of intangibles in just Saturday. Rob Gronkowski would do that for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He would bring energy. I'm serious. He would, he would be the guy that would make the difference. He would give Tom Brady the energy well, he needs. And in the red zone third down, he would create separation for those receivers that can't run anymore because he would get double teamed. And Rob Gronkowski is the one guy that could bring the intangibles and the tangibles That's to make this offense better. That's what I was going to say. Tangibles. Like, uh, they need better players uh, than they have on offense. And uh, he could help. He could help with the blocking, right? I mean, like, that, that's all part of his game, too. But I, to I don't think Rob Gronkowski's walking through that door. <laughs> I and I think why, a lot why, of the problem the Bucs have is, is the psychological factor. And I think you still hear it when Brady talks. I don't think he wants to. I mean, it's, yeah. it's evident that he doesn't want to because I'm sure the red carpet would be rolled out for him if he wanted to. My mark is, can they get it together? Can Is there a way that we will be having this conversation in the middle of December, and we'll be saying, wow, they got it figured out, and the Buccaneers look like a team that could make a playoff run? Uh, no, G. I'm going off evidence that I've seen this year. Um, yeah. Can they? It's always a possibility. Like, I played in the league nine years. Foxy played. Like, it's always a possibility. You feel like, hey, we suck right now, but it just takes one week. It takes one game. Listen, Thomas Brady is the reason why we hold out hope for anything. Yeah with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's nothing else the team has shown for us to have confidence that they're going to rip off a bunch of wins, all right? And even if they do get in the playoffs, because everybody keeps saying this, they tied in the division. Great. They tied in the division. I was watching the NFL when the damn Carolina Panthers went to the playoffs at 6-10 and because they won their division. And guess what? <laughs> they got boat raced the first week of the playoffs. Like, this is not yeah. about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yeah. getting to the playoffs. We've changed the narrative around the two teams – Coming into the preseason that we all thought was going to be there knocking the door down. We, the Green Bay Packers, we have a conversation about can they get it together. No, we were talking about a Super Bowl. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we were talking about a damn Super Bowl. They yeah. ain't winning the Super Bowl. Nah. It's time to talk about somebody else. <laughs> it's because of the quarterback. I mean, that's well said. But with Brady and with Rodgers, the I mean, standard is the standard. And they also have the names on offense and defense. And, like, their defense is playing poorly, but it's not because of, like, some rash of injuries. Like, we can point to the O-line as a problem on offense. The defense, it's like, what? The guys are still there. In the meantime, if you're wondering why Marcus's voice might sound a little raspy and scratchy this morning, it's because he left a lot of it on Saturday night after his beloved LSU pulled off the two-point conversion to beat Alabama. This was his reaction. Forever, LSU. 
<laughs> By the way, <laughs> that was like the abridged version. Too. That was that was a very short. We were very, we, we we were pressed for time. That was a very oh, short oh. version because the shouting was much louder and longer than that. He's excited. We'll talk more about your beloved Tigers well, as we continue in a little bit. They may be headed to the playoff. We'll get there. In the meantime, it may sound crazy, but we'll tell you what the Packers might actually consider doing with Aaron Rodgers as the season goes on. Plus, it's a Tuesday, but it doesn't feel like it without Saturday. We will offer our thoughts on the stunner in Indianapolis, and we'll serve up our version of pancakes in his honor. Next, get up on ESPN. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We are back on Get Up and back to the NFL in just a moment after we show you what Steph Curry did last night. His Warriors had lost five straight on the road. They come back home, they're looking to snap it, but in the third quarter, they're down. Steph trying to bring him back. Look at this. Nick, he wants a call. He's looking for a call. He's going to get teed up. They're going to tee up Steph Curry. Yeah, I mean, if Steph wants a call, give that man a call. He's done so much for the league. <laughs> That's exactly right. If, he, if Mr. Curry wants a call, he should get a call. They go to the fourth quarter, down by nine. Now, fourth quarter, they're down by six and step falling away he was seven of 12 from three and he was just getting started two minutes to go warriors are down by two step iso ball dancing forward backward up and off the glass he was 17 of 24 from the floor we're tied at 107 and now it's step the step back warriors by three under a minute to go golden state's lead is one one more time from curry driving to the painted area steph curry scored 47 points last night and the warriors Pull away and win it 116-113, a win they desperately need after a brutal road trip. Steph has made 53 threes this season. That's the second most through a player's first 10 games <laughs> all time. The graphic is hilarious. Behind only. I'm sorry. Oh, God. But it tells the story. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. Those words are worth a thousand words. Steph Curry is the great. He is the history of the three-point shooting record in the NBA. All right, in the meantime, our next stop is Indianapolis. Yesterday, the Colts fired Frank Reich and replaced him with our very own Jeff Saturday, who otherwise would have been sitting at this desk right now. Jim Ursay and Jeff were asked yesterday about his lack of experience and the team's outlook for the second half of the season. Here's what they had to say. I'm glad he doesn't have any NFL experience. I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear that's in this league. That's because it's tough for all our coaches. They're afraid. They go to analytics, and it gets difficult. I mean, he doesn't have all that. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. But I do know how to build a football team. Yeah, shock would be an understatement, right? Shock would be an understatement. Here's a great part about my career. I came in, nobody expected anything. I'm here, nobody expects anything. If it goes well, hopefully it'll go extremely well. But I have no uh, preconceived notion that I'm going to be some spectacular anything. I know i got to work hard. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm auditioning not only for this one, but for, for 31 others, just like everybody else in this game. 
Now, first off, I think that's the tie that he borrowed from someone's locker one day when he <laughs> didn't have one for the show. Second, before we get into anything else, we, we should just make a point. Look, we've been doing this show now for five years. I've been doing this for 30 years. There is not a better teammate or friend or analyst than Jeff Saturday. His, his, his role here was unbelievable, and should he ever want it back, his seat will always be waiting for him. Marcus, a quick thought on our buddy Saturday, who will no longer be a Tuesday staple with us, at least for the time being. Yeah, happy for Jeff to get this opportunity. Um, you know, he's a he's a football guy, and you know that Jeff wants to take this challenge head on. But, gee, like, we, we got a responsibility. This is not a good look for the NFL. It's not a good look for the Indianapolis Colts. And I know this is an interim head coaching uh, job. It's not – Jeff hasn't been hired over a long-term contract, so we're talking about a different thing. But my mind – went to, beyond being happy for Jeff, because two things can be true. My mind immediately went to, well, what about the coaches that are in that organization already, mm -hmm. that are left there, uh, based on everybody that you fired? And, look, I know that everybody talks about this automatic credibility, and I'm sure guys in the NFL respect us as old, like older guys and guys that's been on television and out of the locker room, but there are relationships that are built in that locker room with certain coaches as well where players might say, why didn't my position coach get this opportunity? Why would we bring in Jeff Saturday, who's been on television for the last few years, to come in and be the, head, the interim head coach when dudes have been in the trenches with us since training camp, they've been in the trenches with us since minicamp, and they brought, they, we, we in a season where we're struggling, give somebody this opportunity from within. So I don't want it to be misconstrued. I know Jeff Saturday, love him. And that's why I'm happy for him in particular. But this is not a good look for all of the coaches that put in work to get these opportunities to audition to potentially become head coaches. I hope Jeff sets it off. I hope he has success. I hope he can get some wins under his belt. But ultimately, this is a bad look for the Indianapolis coach. And this is a bad look for the NFL. And for Ursay to say, I'm glad he don't have no experience. What the hell are we talking about? Like, who don't want experience to come in and try to lead a group of men that's not only battling for their jobs, but battling to try to win games and pull themselves out of a season? I hate we had to go here because we all should be applauding Jeff and having a good time. But respectfully, this is a bad decision by the Indianapolis coach, Ursay, and the NFL. This is not a good look for coaches that are fighting and battling to get jobs. And I ain't talking about just black head coaches. Dan Campbell was a head coach, I mean, was a coach in this league fighting to get a job before he was hired as the head coach in Detroit. This is out of the blue, and I'm sure a lot of guys within the NFL ranks who have been coaching this season and battling for potential opportunities, even within that coach organization, are disappointed by this. Yeah, I, I think that's well said. And, and as you said, both can be true. We can be happy for Jeff and Absolutely. still raise an eyebrow at the situation. You've known him longer than anybody. Yeah, no, I've known Jeff for more than a decade. We've been through the trenches of CBA negotiations. He's someone who I sincerely love, and he's the most integrity of anybody I've ever met, and I know that he Absolutely. will be a great leader, and I do think that he will succeed there. But to Marcus's point, we would not be meeting our responsibility if we let our biases creep in and pretend like this is something that's normal and something that should not be called in into question. The thing about black coaches is out there, but I think what Marcus brings up the great point, any coach around the league is looking at this, particularly the former head coaches that are on that staff are probably looking at this a bit confused. This, what is, this is what it feels like to be a black head coach. Now you know what it feels like to be a black or black potential coach, where you're sitting around and you watch someone else who does not have the qualifications that you have because of a relationship that they have, they go to the front of the line. And again, 
I think Jeff will succeed. I am going to be rooting harder for the Colts than I've ever rooted for any team yes. in my life because I love him and I want him to succeed. But also, we have to call into question the process and understand that Jim Mercer pretty much said it. He's like, this is my guy. <laughs> I brought him in because he's my guy. And that's the, like the, the network that it's hard, so hard to break into for black coaches. But right now, this one isn't about black coaches. This is about all coaches. He also said he doesn't know how to make sausage, which I'm not 100% sure why that was relevant to anything. <laughs> but uh, we should point out, Mike, that there are two uh, coaches on that staff with previous head coaching experience, right? John Fox is on that staff and Gus Bradley is on that staff. So when the owner says, I'm glad he doesn't have any coaching experience, it's almost as though he is speaking directly at those two people. Yeah, and that's going to be job one for Jeff Sari is to win them over. And uh, I had the privilege of representing Steve Kerr, and I spent a year with him getting him ready to become a head coach, and obviously the rest is history. He's done an incredible job with the Warriors, and I think there are some parallels. Jeff has incredible intelligence, leadership, and relatability, but with that, what Nick and uh, Swagoo both said, which is he has to go in there and earn everyone's trust from day one that they, like, for the last eight games, he could take them to where they want to go. Jonathan Taylor has a bad ankle. There's going to be free agents. Coaches have hopes, dreams, and insecurities, and he has to lead men and convince them that he can help them get to where they want to go. And that's really hard to do on such short notice. And we also hired Dan Campbell, and Dan was a tight end coach, and he was our coach for 12 games. I can tell you, like, my own job changed dramatically because you have to walk through every day. Here are the decisions. Here's medical. Here's mm. PR. I, I promise you, if Jeff was here a week from today, his head will be spinning because there's some things he doesn't even know what to even ask about. Yeah, and to do it in season, too. Look, everything everybody says is, is, is true and they're good points. We, we've seen it before, right? The New York Yankees hired Aaron Boone out of the broadcast booth mm -hmm. at ESPN to be their manager. He had no experience. You know, it, it can, and I'm sure that was part of his, when he arrived, explaining himself. And Jeff said that at the press conference last night. They asked him, do you have to win over the locker room? And he said, yeah, not only that, but the coaches, right? Like, so it, he gets it. Look, we, we, I, I'm, I'll add real quick, like just to everything everybody said, one of my favorite people I've ever worked with, a friend for life, I hope, uh, and, and I do hope he does well. Oh, I can't wait to riff him when he messes and, up. And he's got two Monday night games coming the rest of the year, and we got Tuesday shows, oh. and, and we're going to just tee him up, and it's going to be great. But look, he, it's true about the NFL. The owners are going to do what the owners want to do. And that is the, yep. the, the problem at the crux of the minority coaching situation, right, is if you go to what you, who, the people you're familiar with uh, and, and all that. So it's worth keeping an eye on for sure. It's worth raising an eyebrow about even as we wish him well. Very quickly, for anyone wondering about the provisions of the Rooney Rule, they don't apply to interim coaches. So it does not apply in, in this season, circumstance. Right, yeah. If he is going to be considered for the permanent head coaching job after the season, then the Rooney Rule would take effect and they will have to interview others. Okay, one way or another. In his honor, there is no way we can let this day go without the pancakes. Pancakes is one of our favorite things. So let me show you how we're going to get this thing going. Right. Get the one. Put one. Get that thing. Get him. Oh, 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 no. That's how we start this off. Let's go. Put it back, baby. <laughs> it's a thing of beauty. You can't stop us, baby. You can't stop us. Dominique Foxworth just spanked pancakes on get up. We are back. <laughs> All right, it's going to have a little different feel know. today. Sat him down is brought to you by IHOP. How about that? We get sponsored. Hey, Jeff. We get sponsored. Oh, he leaves us. Take it away. We're going to do this for you, Jeff. One pancake right now. We're going to where Greeny was last weekend. 
Northwestern. Look at Ohio State. Oh, no. Paris Johnson. Oh, he no. goes. His first name is Paris. That's where he took the defender. Oh, oh, no. All the way to Paris. His last name is Johnson, and I won't make a joke about that. Oh. Reedy standing on the sideline somewhere over there being embarrassed. He's That's a running. flag. That's a flag. That penalty. That's a late hit. No, it's not a flag. <laughs> it's a pancake. Take that, Jeff. Receive it. <laughs> now we got number five, Darnell Washington, possibly the scariest man in college football. There he is. His number is zero because those are the chances oh, no. you have of getting away from him. He just mushed that man. It's so casual. It's like he don't even care. Outstanding. Number zero, Darnell Washington. They got two great tight ends down there in Georgia. That one might be my favorite. That block right there. I feel like I'm letting Jeff down. I miss Jeff. <laughs> two pancakes. Two pancakes. Let's go. Receive it. <laughs> and lastly, we got the last one. Let me get a pancake. Toss me one. Toss me one. We got one more candidate. It's Christian Darasaw. He gets out here and he lifts this man and sends him into the stratosphere. Oh, oh no. That's embarrassing. Part of this makes me feel bad because I'm a defender and I can't pretend like I'm enjoying these blocks as much as Jeff does. But that's a three pancaker right there. Gets under him, lifts him up. His feet, all four limbs are in the sky. Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't freeze. Don't freeze frame it there. Poor Jeff. That's the best I could do for you, Jeff. That we miss brilliantly you. Done. In his honor, that was well done. Marcus, your thoughts. I'm going to lose I'm gonna lose some weight. I'm going to channel my inner black Jeff Saturday, and we're going to keep pancakes alive, oh, man. Yeah. I'm coming in there. We're going to keep Don't it alive, lose any man. weight, though. <laughs> <laughs> keep your shirt on. Yeah. Yes, Sure. All right, that was for Jeff. Best of luck this weekend, big fella, and beyond. As we continue, it sounds crazy, but we'll tell you exactly why the Packers might consider putting Aaron Rodgers on the bench. Can you believe it? Plus, college football chaos. Can three SEC teams still make the playoff? Is Bama still one of them? We're talking about it as we roll on. Pancakes are served. Get up on ESPN. That's hard, Jeff, man. He's, he's in good shape. He works out or something. Uh, We are back on Get Up, and our next stop is Green Bay, where, candidly, they have hit rock bottom, scoring just nine points in a disastrous loss Sunday against the worst defense in the NFL in Detroit. Aaron Rodgers throwing three interceptions, and with the season spiraling perhaps hopelessly out of control, the impossible question has been raised in various places, and I will raise it here. Dominique Foxworth, are they approaching a point in Green Bay? either immediately or sometime in the foreseeable future, where they will have to consider putting Aaron Rodgers on the bench and seeing what they have in Jordan Love. Absolutely, yeah. I don't see the reason to keep, once they are out of contention, which they aren't yet, you have to keep Aaron Rodgers in there and at least um, create the facade that you think you have a chance. Once they're out of contention, what's the point in putting Aaron Rodgers out there again? The only reason why you would not bench Aaron Rodgers is because you are concerned about what emotional or psychological impact it will have on him in the, <laughs> in the upcoming season. <laughs> like, why, why is I that funny? Why did you well, have that? I just that don't think that's part of the calculus. I mean, I, I, I so why else have him out there then? If, right. if once they're out of contention, put Jordan Love out there. I agree with you, and I, I, think, I think part of it is, like, you, you should – you should want to get some indication from Aaron Rodgers if he plans to come back next year, but good luck with that yeah. uh, because he hasn't really 
taken care of the organization in that regard uh, over the last couple of years, and they are committed to him for next year. So it's going to be a tricky situation. Remember how he handled the drafting of Jordan Lowe, right. who was no immediate threat to his job, even when that happened. Uh, it, it would be something they'd have to do in conjunction with Aaron, or else the whole situation That's would what blow I mean. up. Wouldn't this be something they'd have to do to say to him, look, we got to do this and, well, and I mean. see how he reacts? What would it might take? Yeah, it's really important they do that. Worst case scenario for the Packers is not to blow a draft choice on Jordan Love. That happens all the time. Worst case scenario is that they move on from Jordan Love and he does well someplace else. He is their future. That's why they traded up for him. So you have to have that hard conversation with Aaron Rodgers, which is we just scored nine points. And as Nick said, once they're eliminated, you almost have to play Jordan Love. They have a responsibility to the future of this organization. Marcus, let me ask you to look in the crystal ball. One of three things will be happening week one of the next NFL season after this one. Aaron Rodgers will be the starting quarterback for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers will be the starting quarterback somewhere else. Or Aaron Rodgers will be retired from football. Which of those three do you think is likeliest right now? Aaron Rodgers will be the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Because mm. $50 million say so, G. Like, and, and hold, I, got, I got so many issues. With what, <laughs> what are they? Let's get to it, okay? First of all. Back to the $50 million. That's why you ain't putting Jordan Love in the game. The other thing is this. When you get to, when you get to this point, all right, and you're Aaron Rodgers, this is when people really find out about who you are. This is, re- this is all of that leadership talk, all of that guys need to play better, all of that we don't have the requisite pieces, and we sh- we should, we, I'm, I'm hopeful that we get uh, Chase Claypool. All of these things, all of the $50 million $1 bills that the Green Bay Packers gave you, is to handle situations that you're in right now. That's why you're the quarterback. That's why they think you're the leader. You had so much say-so. We need a better roster. We need to get all of this done. I don't know if I'm coming back. I'm going to come in there looking like some actor. I don't even remember how he came in the damn training camp. We thought he was going to light the world on fire. Y'all can give him a pass if y'all want to. You know damn well I ain't giving him one. These people capitulated to everything you asked them to do. You took time off. You was on vacations with your ex. They gave you a three-year, $150 million contract. Devontae Adams walked out the door because he didn't know if you was coming back. And now that you're in a sticky situation, oh, we need to play Joy Love to see what we got. No, the hell you don't. You played a $50 million quarterback who tried to run the organization for the last two years and see if he can pull him out of this. That is why you have $50 million, because you overcome deficiencies that you have as a football team. Aaron Rodgers, you up. You the great A-Rod. You the bad man, as Stephen A. like to call you. You, Hey, everything will be fine. They don't need to relax. Don't forget relax. This is going to work out because Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback. Well, it better start working out. All right, you're three and six right now. You got $50 million quarterback who's the two-time leading MVP. He better pull you out of this. Change That's my mind. really well yeah. done. With- that, that is outstandingly said, brilliantly done, as Marcus Spears puts it as clearly as it can be put. Speaking of which, everyone stay where you are. Because right now I'm going to put this in HD. Heather Dinich is going to join us because tonight is the second college football playoff rankings, and only Heather Dinich can put everything clear for us in the college football world. Heather, give us three things we're watching for that will be critical tonight. Greeny, it starts with Tennessee. How far do they tumble? It's not a given that they fall out of the top four. 
It's happened three times in college football playoff history where a top four team has lost and remained in the top four the following week. The selection committee likes this resume. A win against um, LSU now looks even better. So they're number two in strength of record. But with all that being said, Greeny, this is the perfect time for TCU to sneak into that number four spot because Clemson should fall out and sink like a rock. TCU managed to come from behind again, albeit against a five-loss Texas Tech team. But when you look at the Frogs, they've scored 30 points or more in every single game this season, and the defense has allowed 30 in their last four games combined. And then finally, pay attention to two-loss LSU tonight, Greeny, because they should be the selection committee's highest-ranked two-loss team. I think they could be as high as number seven. And if this LSU team runs the table and wins the SEC, I think the selection committee puts them in and they make history as the first two-loss team to be in the college football playoff. But of course, they got to beat Georgia. And I know we have a friend on set who doesn't think that's going to happen. Well, maybe he does. I don't know. We'll see. Swagoo, (laughs) you have just made his day uh, as he sits back there. Very quickly, though, Heather, I have two questions for you because it is all about the conferences. The scenario you're laying out there in which LSU makes it to the dance, you're still talking about Tennessee. You're still talking about Georgia, obviously. Do we still have a scenario where the SEC could get three teams in? Yes, because if LSU does win the SEC, Tennessee is sitting there, not just with any win against the SEC champs, they hammered them at LSU. 40-13. to That was one of the most impressive wins of the season. Now, there is a higher bar, and where that argument comes into place is is Oregon sitting there as one-loss Pac-12 champs because they have a real opportunity down the stretch to boost their resume. So that debate between a Tennessee team that doesn't win its division, let alone the SEC, and a one-loss Oregon Pac-12 champ, I mean, that could be it at the end for four. One more quickly. In a world in which Ohio State beats Michigan in Columbus in, in an unbelievably good game, super close, is there a scenario here where Ohio State and Michigan both make it? That is hanging by a thread for Michigan. I'm going to say it doesn't happen because last week, Selection Committee Chair Boo Corrigan made it crystal clear that their strength of schedule is an issue for Michigan. The non-conference lineup was terrible. We all know that. But then if they don't beat Ohio State, they're clinging on to a win against Penn State. And again, that bar is higher in the committee meeting room if you don't win your conference. And I don't think that they would be able to say these guys are unequivocally one of the four best teams. All right, we'll see what happens tonight. And then, Heather, we will have you here tomorrow. Travel safe. Heather Dinch will be in our studio tomorrow with all of the reaction to tonight's exclusive reveal of the next college football playoff top 25. Recent company ready to go tonight. 7 Eastern on ESPN. We just gave you all the things to watch for. Keep an eye on where they put Tennessee and LSU. Coming up, a blowout in the bayou. Action Jackson dominates on Monday night. Could he take these Ravens all the way to the Super Bowl? We'll answer that question next. You're watching Get Up on ESPN.